please subscribe and leave a review of Dorky wherever you get your podcasts. Also, you can support the pod if you'd like. You can use PayPal or buy me a coffee. There are links to both methods on Dorky's website and in the show notes of this episode. Thank you so much. Hello, this is Dorky. I'm your host, April. This is a podcast about history. I'm going to be discussing events, people, and sometimes just random things from history that interest me and are important. I am absolutely not a historian. I'm just a dork who spends a lot of time watching, reading, listening to anything I can get my hands on about history, and I want to talk about it. I think a lot can be learned from looking into the past, and I'd like to share what I've learned, and my opinion about what I've learned, and I hope you enjoy it. I'm going to start this podcast out with a bit of a series of sorts, The Wives of King Henry VIII. King Henry VIII had six wives. His first wife was Catherine of Aragon. Catherine of Aragon was born in 1485 as the youngest daughter to King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella of Spain. Yes, that King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella the super-rich and powerful king and queen who sent Christopher Columbus on his voyage, which would lead to what is considered the European discovery of the Americas. I only bring that up to underscore where Catherine came from and how that might have shaped her and her feelings about being a queen. As far as she was concerned, being a queen wasn't only a duty, it was a God-given birthright, and that was that. After a lot of negotiation between Catherine's parents and King Henry VII of England over Catherine's dowry, she was betrothed to Henry VII's oldest son, Prince Arthur, when she was only three years old. The dowry was 200,000 ducats, which, after some googling, I found out is about $30 million in today's money. So that's the kind of wealth and power we're talking about. Henry's oldest son, Prince Arthur, was in line to be England's next king, which means Catherine, as Arthur's wife, would be the Queen of England one day. With all this in mind as to Catherine's future as a queen, she was educated by a tutor who was a clerk in holy orders. She studied arithmetic, canon and civil law, classical literature, genealogy, history, philosophy, religion, She had a strong religious upbringing and developed her Roman Catholic faith. Her strong faith will play a major role later in her life. She learned to speak, read, and write in Castilian Spanish and Latin, and spoke French and Greek. Something I don't understand is why she wasn't taught English along with all these languages. You would think that she'd be taught to speak the language of the country she was going to be one day queen of. I looked into this question, and it appears that she would eventually learn English once she moved to England. Okay, fine, but it seems to me that since everyone knew she was going to be Queen of England since she was three years old, that they would have taken that in mind and added English as one of the languages she learned as a child. I mean, 
Arthur, her intended, did speak Latin, which was one of the languages she was taught, but when Catherine got to England, they couldn't communicate with each other because each of them spoke a different dialect of Latin. I just don't understand. Moving on. She was also taught domestic skills, such as cooking, dancing, drawing, embroidery, good manners, lace-making, music, needlepoint, sewing, spinning, and weaving. She left Spain for England when she was 15. So, I mean, that's 12 whole years they had to teach her English before she went there. Just saying. Catherine and Arthur did get married in 1501, but Arthur died of what is thought to be the sweating sickness just a few months later, leaving Catherine husbandless in England. After Arthur's death, Spain wanted Catherine back, along with her large dowry. But England didn't want to send Catherine, or, if we're being honest, really her dowry, back to Spain. In fact, King Henry VII wanted to keep her dowry so badly, he even thought about marrying Catherine himself for a while. But then he died, and his second son became King Henry VIII. Catherine had been in England for many years by that time, and she and Henry had become close, and they were soon married. He was 17, she was 23. Their marriage had to get a special dispensation by the Pope ahead of time, because canon law forbade a man to marry his brother's widow. That's in Leviticus 18.16. The special dispensation was given, as Catherine swore that although, yes, she and Henry's brother Arthur had been married, they were young, and Arthur had been sickly for the entirety of their very short marriage, meaning the union had never been consummated. All of this will be very important later. Catherine and Henry had a happy marriage in the beginning by all accounts. In fact, their marriage was so good, and he had enough faith in her, that he named her regent to rule in his place once while he was away attacking France in 1513, which is a big deal. They struggled to have children, though. Catherine suffered several miscarriages and stillbirths, and she and Henry only had one surviving daughter named Mary. After, like, 25 years, between her body going through everything it had gone through with all the hard pregnancies she'd had, and her being at the end of her childbearing years, it was clear that Catherine wasn't going to be having any more children. This would mean that Henry wouldn't have a legitimate male heir. I say legitimate because Henry did have a son that he acknowledged as his with a mistress, Bessie Blout. But I digress. This was the 1500s, and not having a male heir was a really big deal back then. There was no precedent for a female heir inheriting the English kingdom yet, so Henry feared that without a male heir, the Tudor line would end, and this was totally unacceptable to Henry. One of Catherine's ladies-in-waiting, Anne Boleyn, caught Henry's eye, and he fell in love with her. She was much younger than Catherine, and still able to have children. Henry decided that he no longer wanted to be married to Catherine, and wanted to be married to Anne instead hoping she'd be able to give him a son. Getting out of his marriage to Catherine turned out to not be nearly as easy as Henry thought it would be. It would become something that consumed him, and since it consumed Henry, it also consumed all his advisors. Ending his marriage to Catherine so he could marry Anne Boleyn was so important to Henry 
that it was commonly referred to as the king's great matter. When Catherine was told of this, she wasn't having any of it. She was a devout Catholic, so divorce was out of the question. Another option was her just leaving. Back then, it was sort of an accepted thing that sometimes queens would, and I'm using air quotes here, retire to a convent, leaving the king free to remarry. But Catherine refused to do this as well. Her response to this suggestion was said to be, God never called me to a nunnery. I am the king's true and legitimate wife. Which, fair. Henry then tried to get the Pope to grant an annulment, saying that their marriage should never have happened in the first place, since she had been married to his brother. The Pope refused to grant the annulment. Remember that there had to be a papal special dispensation made to allow Henry and Catherine to get married to begin with, since Catherine had previously been married to Henry's brother Arthur before he died? Henry was effectively asking the Pope to grant him an annulment for the same exact reason that a special dispensation had to be made to allow that marriage in the first place. It also didn't help Henry's case that the new Pope, the one he was trying to get to allow the annulment, was currently being held captive by Catherine's nephew, Emperor Charles V. Frustrated by not getting his way in his great matter, Henry went so far as to have his cardinal, Thomas Wolsey, try to hold an ecclesiastical court hearing in England, with Henry and Catherine both in attendance. Catherine refused to recognize this hearing as legitimate and wouldn't testify. She was literally like, this court would be totally unfair to me and doesn't have any authority over me, goodbye, and walked out of the courtroom. Okay, okay. What she actually said, in part, is, As me seemeth, there was in those days as well-learned men, and men of good judgment, as be present in both realms, who thought then the marriage between you and me good and lawful. Therefore is it a wonder to me what new inventions are now invented against me, that never intended but honesty, and cause me to stand to the order and judgment of this new court, wherein ye may do me much wrong, if ye intend any cruelty. For ye may condemn me for lack of sufficient answer, having no indifferent counsel, but such as be assigned me, with whose wisdom and learning I am not acquainted. Ye must consider that they cannot be indifferent counselors, for my part, which be your subjects, and taken out of your own counsel before, wherein they be made privy, and dare not, for your displeasure, disobey your will and intent, being once made privy thereto. Therefore, I most humbly require you, in the way of charity, and for the love of God, who is the just judge, to spare the extremity of this new court, until I may be advised what way and order my friends in Spain will advise me to take. And, if ye will not extend to me so much indifferent favor, your pleasure then be fulfilled, and to God I commit my case. Then she walked out of the courtroom. The Pope refused to allow a decision about this marriage to be made in England anyway, and called his representatives back to Rome, and said that Henry was not to marry again until he heard word from Rome. I honestly think the Pope was trying to bide his time, hoping if he just kept putting off making a decision, Henry would eventually tire of Anne Boleyn and just stay married to Catherine. Oh, what a sweet summer child that Pope was. So even after all this hullabaloo, Catherine and Henry were still married to each other, both legally and in the eyes of the Catholic Church. Henry was pissed. 
Not only did he fire Cardinal Thomas Wolseley for failing to get his annulment granted and eventually even have him arrested, but he banished Catherine to a faraway castle, separating her from their daughter Mary. Not only would Catherine and Mary never be allowed to see each other again, but they weren't allowed to even write to each other. They did manage to write each other a few times, but the letters had to be secret. Finally, after like seven years of trying, Henry decided that there was no other way to get his annulment from Catherine than to separate himself and the entire country he was king of and its citizens from the Catholic Church altogether. He declared himself head of the Church of England, and only then was an annulment to his marriage to Catherine granted. So yeah, he basically solved his great matter by starting his own religion, naming himself as head of that religion, and then granting himself the annulment. He then married Anne Boleyn. He declared Anne as the Queen of England, giving Catherine the title of Dowager Princess of Wales, since she was his brother's widow. I don't think there are words to describe what a big deal all of this would have been. Not only were most of England's citizens at that time Catholic, but Catherine had been their queen for decades, and she was very beloved as a kind, pious, and faithful queen. To be suddenly forcefully separated from the Catholic Church and have their queen displaced was destabilizing, to say the least. The king, who had been a Catholic all his life, a man who the Pope in 1521, given the title Defender of the Faith, a title given to him because he literally wrote a paper about how the Pope was the supreme leader of everything, was excommunicated from the Catholic Church. Catholic churches and monasteries all over England were dissolved and looted by Henry's order. This led to all sorts of rebellions. The effects of this decision are still felt today. The Queen of England, Elizabeth II, is the head of the Church of England today because of that decision Henry VIII made over 500 years ago. Side note, you know that huge, beautiful house in the show Downton Abbey? That house was built around the ruins of a Catholic abbey that Henry had destroyed. Oh, I almost forgot to mention that by invalidating his marriage to Catherine of Aragon, this made their daughter Mary a bastard. This changed her title from princess to lady and completely removed her from any chance at a good marriage she may have had or any future claim to the throne she may have had. Henry later had a daughter with Anne Boleyn, Elizabeth, and he sent Mary to live in her household to serve her and take care of her so that Mary would know her place. He refused to see his daughter Mary until she would sign a letter agreeing that her mother Catherine's marriage to him had been invalid and that she was a bastard. Mary refused. I don't blame her. To be fair, Henry did eventually soften his stance toward Mary, but that was years after all of this. During the time period we're talking about in this episode, he was straight up horrible to his oldest daughter. Catherine died a few years after this, in 1536, far away from her home, alone, except for a few loyal servants. But until the day she died, she considered herself Henry's one true wife, and herself the true Queen of England. The cause of her death is unknown, but from looking at records taken during the time, modern doctors think it was most likely cancer. Here is a letter she is said to have written to Henry right before she died. 
my most dear Lord, King, and Husband. The hour of my death now drawing on, the tender love I owe you forceth me, my case being such, to commend myself to you, and to put you in remembrance with a few words of the health and safeguard of your soul, which you ought to prefer before all worldly matters, and before the care and pampering of your body, for the which you have cast me into many calamities, and yourself into many troubles. For my part, I pardon you everything, and I wish to devoutly pray to God that he will pardon you also. For the rest, I commend unto you our daughter Mary, beseeching you to be a good father unto her, as I have heretofore desired. I entreat you also, on behalf of my maids, to give them marriage portions, which is not much, they being but three. For all my other servants, I solicit the wages due them, and a year more, lest they be unprovided for. Lastly, I make this vow, that mine eyes desire you above all things. Catherine the Queen Henry did not attend Catherine's funeral, nor did he allow their daughter Mary to attend. My own thoughts on Catherine of Aragon, honestly, vacillate between completely stubborn, in denial with her head in the sand, and strong, tough woman who stood up for what she believed in. But I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Henry, upturning his whole country to get the annulment he wanted, wasn't anything anyone had ever done before, or could have predicted. I don't know what else she could have done. I also think a lot of what Catherine said and did during the whole Great Matter period was to try to protect her own status and position, but more importantly, her daughter Mary's status and position. What Henry did to her was terrible, and I feel like history remembering her as the good wife, mother, and queen done wrong is mostly on point. In the 20th century, George V's wife, Mary of Teck, had Catherine's grave at Peterborough Cathedral upgraded, and there are now banners there denoting Catherine as a Queen of England. Every year at that cathedral, there is a service in her memory. There are still processions, prayers, and various events in the cathedral, including processions to Catherine's grave, in which candles, pomegranates, flowers, and other offerings are placed on her grave. So that's it. That's the end of the very first episode, soon to be sent out into the void. If you made it this far into it, thank you so much for listening. You can reach me at dorkypod at gmail.com. Let me know what you think of the podcast. Let me know if I left something out or got something wrong. Or let me know if there's something in particular in history that you'd like me to talk about. I have lots of ideas for future episodes, but I'm always open to suggestions. I have a Facebook group I started called Dorkey Podcast. Join it and be part of our community. Also, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're hearing it. It helps the podcast grow, but more importantly, your feedback will help me make this a better podcast. Until we meet again, friends.